Hello and welcome to the Love Shared Podcast from the River Church in Redlands. David Carnes here with the latest from our dialogue series, where we sit down with some fascinating guests and dive into conversations at the intersection of faith and society. Today's show is episode 22, and our guests are Ross and Sandy Cooper, who have an amazing ministry called Lunch Bunch, serving the local homeless population. Thank you for joining us again, and if you'd like to continue to support the podcast, subscribe to it, rate and review it, and most important, spread the word and tell somebody else about the show. Special thanks, as always, to producers Terry Heemstra, Mark Leonard, and today's host, Nick Intow. All right, so thanks, Ross and Sandy uh, Cooper, for joining us tonight. You guys are um, well-loved in this city. Even today, I was sitting with a group of pastors um, who knew about the Coopers and about 514 Lytle. And um, just thank you for the ministry that you extend to um, all sorts of people in, in this city and in San Bernardino. Will you guys talk a little bit about what you do and what your ministry is? Sure. You want to start or you want me to? You go first. All right. So Lunch Bunch for us starts uh, Sunday morning at 6 o'clock. We open our house to anyone who wants to come over. So generally it's homeless folks that will come over because they're looking for food and they're looking for a shower and a chance to do laundry. So we uh, open the door at 6. We will generally have maybe up to 25 people come uh, between 6 and 8.30, 9 o'clock or so. Uh, we tell folks that we're going to church at quarter to 10. So we load up uh, the vans that are there. With, uh, anyone who wants to go to church can jump in the van and get a ride. And uh, we tell the folks that don't want to go to church that uh, they just need to leave. They can come back at uh, 11.30, quarter to 12 when we're back for lunch. Um, so uh, essentially we tell folks that uh, Sandy's on strike for breakfast, so they got to make their own. So they can uh, anything they can find in the kitchen there, uh, eggs to make omelets or uh, cold cereal. Or, French toast, pancakes. Yeah. And that's kind of a treat. Some uh, homeless folks really enjoy cooking, but they don't have an opportunity to because they don't have a kitchen. Um, and they don't have cold kind of foods that, uh, that we're used to having in our kitchen. So some folks will take advantage of that, and uh, some guys would rather um, cold cereal or something. And coffee. Uh, yeah, we'll go through a lot of coffee. So um, after church, we come back. Lunch is um, always prepared for folks. Um, typically, we'll have 50 to 60 or 70 kind of in the, right after uh, when lunch is starting. So that's right around noon. Um, and uh, so we, we'll always uh, celebrate birthdays there and um, uh, new people that are there. So birthday folks and new folks that are there for the first time get to go to the front of the food line. And that's a pr pretty big deal if you're a homeless and you're in a lot of food lines. Um, so they go to the front and then women and children and then men. Um, then after lunch, there's a Bible study for whoever wants to attend that. Uh, that's typically, it's up to maybe 15 people. Um, out of the 50, 60, 70 folks that are still there. Uh, on a busy Sunday, we'll probably have um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 people that will rotate in and out, get some food. Of your house? Of our house, yes. So we have two bathrooms in the house. We set one aside for showers. There's a whiteboard down the hallway where you can sign up so you don't have to wait in line. You just put your name on the list, and when it's your turn, uh, you get to go in. Um, the bathroom. You get to go in as long as there's nobody else in there still. That's right. right? One at a time. And uh, we, we do uh, have to police that. Make sure that... Well, uh, and we also have to police it because it feels good to have a shower. And some people are sleeping and may take a nap in the shower. Mm. So it's policing just to keep the line flowing smoothly. 
So the similar thing in the garage where the washing machine is, um, if you have laundry, you want to do laundry, you can do one load. So you sign up on the whiteboard and as there's time you can get that in. And that'll go up until four o'clock. We try and close down at about four o'clock. That allows us to clean up a little bit, uh, finish getting the last few people um, um, where they're trying to go and gives us a chance to go to an evening service somewhere. So your Sunday is, is kind of the big day um, in terms of the, the largest number of people the largest number that of people, you're seeing. Right, and, and often I think we see God work. We see God work on Sundays, uh, of course, and other days, but um, what happened with Sundays is there were so many people wanting to go to Bible study that uh, for a while we had a second Bible study group uh, going on Sunday in a different room, and uh, that worked for a while, but not everyone wanted a, a male group and a female group. and. Uh, there was just some logistical difficulties and finding people who wanted to lead the group um, uh, was also a problem. And so it just seemed like God was leading us to um, having a Bible study group on Saturday. So we started a Saturday Bible study group which uh, starts at 9, goes to about 10, 15 or so. Um, and from that, God kind of led us into a um, prayer ministry and a much more listening kind of prayer and a healing prayer. And uh, there's a man named Bruce that uh, is really gifted by God. He can hear um, and he can help uh, kind of lead sometimes those prayers. And God speaks to us in this prayer time. And um, what that has kind of, um, what it looks like nowadays is after Bible study, uh, anyone who wants to, on Saturday. on Saturday, sorry, anyone who wants to pray with either Sandy and Bruce and that person or me and Bruce and that person just kind of signs up and the, the River Church lets us use the, uh, the front study room and we'll use it from 11 to 12 and someone else from 12 to 1 and someone else 1 to 2 and occasionally 2 to 3. Um, and then in that prayer time, um, it, it's kind of cool to see God just um, rescue people from, um, the, from the, just the tough problems that they're facing um, and bring healing. Um, a lot of forgiveness there. Um, and we've learned um, we've learned a lot about forgiveness, um, just just through receiving it from God and and trying and once you take over here for a bit, right in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and teaching people about um, just the freedom that forgiveness brings and how to do that and the practice of that. So numbers wise, Sunday is a big day. Ministry-wise, it happens on also on Saturday. Actually, it happens every day of the week. I was going to ask. I think. I mean, today I think we had 12 people just come on through. Different people. Nobody announced. Nobody. No schedules. That's a pretty busy day. That is not typical. This is not a typical day. But the Lord had people coming today, and they were asking some for advice. Some were coming because they trust us. I mean, we had a variety of personal issues, but the neatest thing was that we could say, you know what? I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to this. I don't know what to do. Let's ask God for that. And, and this is at your home. This is at our home. Um, and the whole, all of Sunday is at our home. Uh, our neighbors have been really very kind. Um, we have tried to be intentional about being good neighbors and letting people know when they're wanting to buy a house on our street. <laughs> Sometimes they might not be able to park <laughs> on a Sunday. Because <laughs> there were, I saw there were like a couple houses for sale. There are, yes. Um, but you know what? Our neighbors have been really gracious. We tr we've explained what we do. We have invited them and we just need to continue being in intentional, being good neighbors with them. But on Sundays, yes, we have a lot of people, um, a lot of vehicles, a lot of different vehicles in various running form. Um, <laughs> Occasionally broken down. And there's bicycles and shopping carts. And oh, it's quite a... It's quite, quite, 
quite, quite a deal evident. Over there. Yes, yeah. um, we have become a no dog policy house, um, at which a lot of the homeless people have dogs, and that has provided some um, opportunity for us to show some grace, but also some opportunity for our folks who have dogs to have to find a dog sitter. And mm. that's been hard. And that's been a lot of people have said, I can't come because I can't bring my dog. We will allow children, but we don't want lots of little dogs. Mm -hmm. But for the homeless, having a companion, having a friend, having somebody to talk to, um, a lot of the homeless, one of the questions you asked us was, what are some of the difficulties that our homeless folks um, encounter? And we haven't been homeless. We've learned a lot, but a lot of that is loneliness, being so desperately lonely. Um, and when we were talking about, in preparation for this podcast, um, what does it look like? And we, we're seeing that a lot of the homeless people, life is tough. Um, they are scared, a lot of them. There's burdens, they're feeling alone. They're not feeling like they're a person. They are so very lonely. They're tired of being shuffled from here to there to there to there, not being looked at as a person. And we're like, wow, that's kind of how we all look and feel before Jesus comes in our house and into our heart. Um, not having a place to belong, not um, having bad relationships, or um, we were talking about that in the car. What do people think of when a homeless person approaches them? Um, and a lot of people, I think, are afraid that they're going to get raped or killed or robbed from a homeless person. And that, when you were asking, what are some of the misconceptions about homeless? We've learned that they are mostly our best friends. Um, it doesn't matter if they have a tattoo or lots of tattoos. It doesn't matter if they smell like smoke or alcohol. It doesn't matter if they got high yesterday or maybe you are going to get high tomorrow. These are the people that the Lord has given us as our peer group. These are the people we spend birthdays with. These are the people we go camping with. These are the people that come to our house for dinner, um, not just on a Sunday. So it's become a relationship. It's become um, a family. Even one of the gals came today. Um, her request was she wants us to be her payee. Well, we're so naive. We don't know what that all means. But she said, you know what, people know that I have money. She gets an SSI check, and um, she gets ripped off. She gets month. ripped off every single month. And every single month, she's on the streets, and she's dirty. And other people have gotten high or used her money or been in a motel or done whatever, and she is on the streets. She says, I am so tired of this. And she said, I can't trust my mom. My mom will drink the money away. Can, will you be our payee? So this is going to be a new learning experience for us to go with her to Social Security tomorrow. but So when we do life on Saturdays and Sundays, it flows into doing a relationship with people through the rest of the week. But to pray with this young lady, to pray with a guy the other night, he said, Sandy, I want to go into a <coughs> sober living home. And I, he invited me into a spot. And when somebody invites me into their spot and... Um, like the spot where he lives? The where spot he where he lives. So when somebody shows you where they sleep, it is like a precious gift, a precious gift that we need to respect, honor, and not to be tossed about. I mean, they're... Why, Why is that so precious? Because they don't want to be killed. Or if, they're, if they end up dying, they want to know that somebody's going to miss them and go to their spot and look for them. A lot of things happen in people's spots for a female. Um, if you've told somebody your spot, some guy will probably come and force himself upon you in a sexual manner. If you're told somebody your spot, um, your stuff can get stolen. Um, but this guy had me come to his spot, and we were under a bridge, under maybe two feet of space, 
He, um, I sat on his little mattress that he had lugged up under the spot, and he and I sat there with all the graffiti and the broken glass and all of that, and I'm like, he has invited me into his home. Mm. This is where his castle is, and I got to sit there, and he wanted to, he was high. He said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go into a sober living, and that was a neat opportunity to do this listening prayer. I sat on the mattress with him. And we prayed, and I'm like, well, God, I don't have any answers. That was our prayer with every single person that walked in the door today. Mm-hmm. I don't have any answers. I don't have any magic. I don't know what to do. The Lord, sh- tell us what to do. Tell yep. this person what the next step is. And, and we get to see that, right? And this man um, today, we took him over to a sober living home. And, yeah. The Lord provided it. We yeah, found him. Yeah, they got the door. We had never been to that home before today. Um, and a Christian sober, not just yes, a sober living, not, but a right. Christian-based uh-huh. men's home. With, uh, with a church that is connected with homeless and, um, and actively involved in helping them, you know, on to the next step there. And, and Which so is following it, which, Jesus. And, right, and we didn't know them before two weeks ago, hmm. right? And so all these things um, happen in God's timing. And well, really what uh, we are learning over and over again is that when we listen God speaks when we obey that little voice that we hear that's God's voice when we obey God acts and when God acts people change and uh, we see that and so all we have to do is obey and then wait and sit back and watch and we see God act and we that action is what causes us to change so you're I mean and, and that would be probably you guys would say this whole thing how it started right was you're not you're not trained Social work. Now we're retired. With, yeah, say a little bit about like so you. So how, how this you, how started? Did you, yeah, how do you even? Get I kind of blame into, God like, for that. Um, you know, God invited me to love people and be involved. Um, say something about your upbringing. Like yeah, what, years and years ago. Um, like I you would, grew up in a Christian. I grew up home. in a Christian home and a Christian church. Um, a pastor's kid. Um, yeah, my dad uh, preached for like fifty years in the Christian Reformed Church and. Uh, so I had a good um, understanding um, intellectually, and I had a uh, personal relationship with Jesus from an early age, and um, committed myself to follow him in, I can remember, in junior high and in high school, and evangelism was really important to me, and, and I was, I don't know if I was good at it, but it was important that, that all these contacts for a while, um, I would drive people around um, through work, you know, they drop off their car to get fixed, and one of my jobs was to take them home. Man, that's an opportunity to tell them about Jesus and, and what Jesus has done in my life. Um, and um, that continued on, I think, through uh, kind of through college, and then I got busy with life, with work, uh, with kids, and that became less important. And I kind of stepped away. I didn't step away. Well, um, it just wasn't as important. And God was calling me back to it over and over again. And it wasn't until probably seven or eight years ago that I, maybe a little longer, um, that I was sitting in church one day and God made it. Uh, I heard, in fact, it was Pastor Will preaching about the Israelites and how God was disciplining them again because they weren't listening to him. Mm-hmm. And, and that God blessed them to be a blessing to others. And all they did was bless the other Israelites, right? They circled the wagons. And you never heard of a Jewish missionary, right? Because that wasn't important to them. And I was sitting there hearing God say, yeah, what are you doing, Ross? Let's see, you go home, you lock the front door, the back door's locked, you, you know, you pay attention to your family, but nothing else. Um, and so that was kind of the beginning of starting to look and see who is it God is inviting me to connect with and that 
turned out to be uh, a homeless guy in Redlands, and then another one. So that started out with him for lunch. Where, like, where on the street you just saw like, somebody? at the coffee shop. Coffee he was there shop. every morning. I stopped off for coffee on my way to work. Um, when you and, were a police officer? Yes, I was in law enforcement for 30 years, and and so I'd go to the coffee shop, grab my coffee, and then I'm generally awake by the time I get to work. Um, and so I would I met this guy and just started talking to him and um, he didn't know Jesus and was having a really tough time living in his truck um, and so uh, essentially we invited him over um, and then that one became two and three and four and fortunately um, you know God knew that if the first time I invited someone there were 75 people at the house there wouldn't be a second time for me no. right. <laughs> right right God realized uh, Ross needs one at that time he's a slow learner uh, and I'm good with that. Um, so it just kind of progressed uh, over the years to where um, 75 is probably about the average. It's been cool to see how the Lord has done that. Even tonight, on our way here tonight, somebody called and said one of our lunch punchers has been. That's what you call the, the group. The, the, the group in general is called Lunch Bunch, for lack of a better name. Um, and it is 70 whoever plus. But one of them called and he said, Sandy, somebody, one, of our, one of our lunch punchers has been hit by a car. He said, you need to, I, he says, I don't know his name, and he described the guy, and he said, he's always at the house, but you need to pray. And then he says, well, you can call the city, this is hilariously funny, he says, you can call the city, because the city police know who you are. And, and they'll you, tell you. And he says, person. if you tell them where the accident is, they'll tell you this name, the name of this guy. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of faith <laughs> that the Redlands police know who we are. But we had somebody stop by the house today with a little booklet because our name is in this little homeless resource guide and he comes and he stands at the door with his little booklet open looking like a small little child but he's a grown man and he said the city sent me over here (laughs) the city (laughs) sent you to our house but it's been cool to have um, the Lord's actually it's the Lord's reputation that's going out before us because we have had referrals from the police department we have had people from the VA and we don't have we don't have a tax ID number in the world of helping um, in agencies. We really are nobody, but um, evidently the Lord has a way of getting his reputation out there because people that we don't even know are coming to our house from people that we don't even think we know, um, which is kind of humbling. Which is good. There, there is no one that shows up that God has not sent, right. yes. that God is not aware of. Yes. Yeah. And some so, of the folks have been coming. Go ahead. Yeah. No. You're, but you're retired too, right? I mean, like uh, we don't get any money for our pay, but we work pretty darn hard. I know you guys work hard. That's what I'm, I'm just thinking. But that was recently, right? Because you were a hospice. I was a hospice nurse. And your kids are out of the home now, right? Sort of. Um, we have our youngest son is still in the house. He is working, and then we have two nephews live with with us. So our house has people. They're all in their twenties. So yeah, they're young adults. Three young men that uh, live at our house yet. Okay. Do you think that was important for this? Like, you I don't having think, kids no. that were older? No, I think it made it easier for me, uh, but I don't think that it would not stop God from doing that. But well, it stopped me from, I think, even considering it. But when our kids were younger and they would come and they got to see and their friends would come because life happens at our house. It's, if you want an adventure, <laughs> there's lots of them. Um, but our kids' friends would come, and then that was also neat to help them break the stereotypes of homeless people because um, our kids' friends would come and say, wow, that guy was a teacher, and he's really smart, and wow, I talked to so-and-so, and 
So for our kids, this is a normal way of life, but for their friends and their peers, it's certainly very abnormal. Um, well, it's so interesting because um, we're in, in South Redlands, right? And you guys, your home is like a, a mile from mile, here. Okay, a mile from here, and right behind another church that, I mean, it's South Redlands, right? Like it's a, this is not a part of town where you would imagine a, a really vibrant and life-giving ministry to homeless or people, you know, who are in like an under-resourced part. Yeah, although we're about a mile away from, less than a mile away from downtown. It's less than a mile from where a lot of homeless folks live. Yeah. Easily walkable. There's easily 25 or 30 homeless people. And the bridge is not far from your home. But I mean, it's not an area that you would associate with the kind of work that is happening. Yeah, yeah, which is really, to me, just fascinating and beautiful. And um, it's kind of revealing of like the complexity of of all of what you're doing. So a question for you. We have um, in Redlands something called Redlands Buzz. And there's 20-some thousand people on a Facebook group. And one of the dialogues that happens on Redlands Buzz, and actually talking to some other um, ministers today who are downtown, this is something that their churches deal with and are trying to wonder about. And I know there's a lot of businesses down on like downtown that um, there's a lot of homeless people getting a lot of heat. And in our city, there's a lot of, I don't know, fear maybe about the homeless or just a sense of like uh, anger about the, the level of like transient people um, that are around. What do you guys hear from the people that you work with um, in terms of kind of the relationships that they have with, with people in, in this city? And um, yeah, what do you hear? don't hear so much about relationships, but we do hear a lot about the agony. You can't sit on a bus bench for longer than 15 minutes, or you'll get, somebody will call the police that there's a transient sitting there. Um, we hear that you can't go into, you can't, you shouldn't carry your belongings in a black trash bag because then you're gonna get harassed for being homeless. Um, I mean, we hear the, the flip side of people are, mean but then you're going to hear somebody somebody bless me with some money somebody bless me with a tent somebody bless me i mean our homeless people are very quick to thank be thankful and recognize their blessings but they're also feeling the pressure of having to move out of this side of redlands um, i've seen some that were normally on this side of town normally when people get to alabama they're not going to walk to our house because it's too far but the, 90, the big 99 cent store down there, I've seen some folks and I'm like, what are you down doing down here? Well, the police keep moving our camps farther and farther. We feel like we're part of the Holocaust. We feel like we're being rounded up for some tragic thing. Um, and the hard part about the homeless is it's not safe to be by yourself. So you stay with somebody else or you stay with a couple people, then somebody else will come in your camp and they'll be high or they'll be drunk and they'll mess it up for the whole group and the police will come and arrest the whole thing. Um, we don't hear so much about people. Yeah, and I think you keyed on, the key word is relationships, and that's what's lacking. But we don't have, generally speaking, we seldom have relationships outside our social class, right? Um, and so there are seldomly relationships between people like the River Church, upper middle class, and homeless people, which are clearly poor, financially poor. 
Um, and what's been kind of neat to see is that some of those relationships are happening in this church. This church has been open and invited, inviting. Um, there's not too many churches where you'll see 25 uh, homeless people on a Sunday in um, with 100, 200 um, middle class folks. Um, and yeah, praise God, right? Because, um, because Jesus is there. Jesus is there in the middle class person. And Jesus is there in the homeless person. Yeah. Um, and um, it's you know it's not a badge of honor to be homeless, and it's not a badge of honor to be middle class. Right. Um, but we have you know that that big divide often. Um, it's not just a divide between male and female and rich and poor. It's also homeless and people that have homes to live in. I think on the Redlands bus, I haven't gone on there very often. But it seems like it's the same people who write a lot of different times, mm. and they have not nice things to say about a lot of things. Right. So, but to say on the Redlands Buzz, uh, not everybody is a thief, and not every homeless person is going to rape you, and not every homeless person, probably almost none of them are thieves. They will steal amongst each other, but mm. really they aren't looking to be stealing from people. I mean, one of the unwritten rules at our house is that you can come to the Coopers, but you better not steal from them, because I think there's a, a street justice. But um, the stereotype, I think, that happens that we as Christians probably need to address that homeless are not thieves, and they're not crazy, and there, there are some, and there are days when, you know, things are just, people are just frustrated when they've been rousted from their sleep, and their stuff has gotten stolen from each other because they're very, that happens a lot as they steal stuff from each other. But on the general rule, I think homeless people don't want to be rocking the boat with the general middle class people. I mean, they're very conscious of not going places where market night is. You won't see very many homeless people on market night. You won't see very many people, homeless people around a high school football game. You won't see very many high school very few are going to go to a public gathering because they don't want to have attention drawn to themselves. And that's kind of where we are going back to people's self-worth and how we were before we knew Jesus. We were basically homeless, um, kind of on the run, don't want attention, we're ashamed, we're, um, they're, they're normal people, they've had children, they're parents, they've had jobs, they've made some bad decisions. And I think often with a homeless society, the boredom makes them play with drugs sometimes. Sometimes it's drugs or alcohol or something else to numb the pain that they're rejected. Um, and so I think as we as church people, I um, need to say, are we rejecting homeless people? Are we rejecting people when they come to our church? How are we as a church warming, accepting people? So here's, a, here's my hard question. I think the river is um, there I know I, I should say I know many many people at the church who have um, opened their heart life checkbook home at times um, to people through this ministry and um, it's one of the one of the challenges is that not every story is a happy ending Right, um, that's right. And and how do you guys? And I'm 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 just curious. I, I mean, imagine it's like on the daily that you get burned in some way, shape, or form, right? Or or 
How do you, burned how do you, used. burned or what? Used. used. Used, taken advantage of. Yeah, how do you get over that feeling of, um, because I, I think there are many people, I can just think of different folks who have been in these relationships and um, they wanted, like their heart was broken for, for this other person. They were moved to compassion, mm -hmm. right? Like what it says in the scripture that Jesus was, was moved to compassion. And in that moment, in that compassion, in that caring for this other person, there was like this, yeah. They, bad thing that happened. Yeah, really bad yeah. thing. How do you, how do you, you know, that happens, that? that happens sometimes. In fact, you know, I think that happened to Jesus. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, here's a guy who loved everybody, right? And he got crucified for it. Um, and, you know, God's really clear. Um, he says, you know, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. What man sows, he's going to reap. And he says, vengeance is mine. He tells me over and over again, Ross, you don't have to get even with anybody. I promise I will get even. And I either did it with Jesus or I'm going to do it with them. Um, God will get even. And he's told me, don't get even. That's not my responsibility. That's his. Um, so, so is this my where the forgiveness that you talked about kind of earlier comes in? Is, is Certainly forgiveness there for that. But my responsibility, was I successful with this person who then ripped me off? Um, I was if I listened, if I heard God, and I did what God told me to do. The outcome is God's responsibility. Um, and, and that has really, you know, early on when we started, um, it was... It was pretty sad because a lot of people were just plain rejecting Jesus. Uh, they were homeless and they didn't want to get off the streets. And it's like, oh, we know exactly, you know, here's a place, I'll take you in. It's like, no, nah, I don't want it. Um, right? And, and um, I felt like that was failure. And that's not failure. Uh, that's misunderstanding what my role is. Um, so success, role, can you say it one more time? Yes. How do you define success? Success is obeying what God told me to do. Um, and I'm not going to know what God told me to do unless I ask him. And that asking has to, after I say, God, what do you want me to do? Then I need to stop and listen. And God will say, do this. And, and then when I'm obedient, God acts. And when God acts, Ross changes or other people change. Something happens. And it's all because of what God did. It's not because of what I did. Was this a shift that you had to make in your ministry? I mean, from when you, you that started like, eight years yeah, ago? My, yeah, that was probably within the first year. I mean, because, well, I mean, I think we walked in thinking, man, we're going to help so many people get off yeah. the streets. That, that's not that hard a problem. If You know, you got a little bit of money, you find someone who needs a, an apartment, you put the down payment there, and you get them on their feet. Bing, and bam, boom. boom. Yeah. Boom. You know, that's, just a, yeah. that's all they need, right? It's like if people just have a job and some money, then they can yeah, not and, be homeless. Right, and what we found out is that the issue is not homelessness. Mm -hmm. Homelessness is a symptom mm -hmm. of another problem. Right. Um, drug abuse is usually not the problem in itself. That's a symptom of something else. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that symptom, that's a, uh, that's a hole in our heart that Spiritual got created. Problem. Right. It's a spiritual problem, and, and I think we started out, and the trap I fall into often is I bring a human solution to a spiritual situation. Um, and we're, you know, we're praying with a guy who was high today. Right? He comes over and... and um, More than what, high. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you but know what, he this came is... Here. He wants he a solution. Right, he wants a solution, and you know what, the, the solution is Jesus. And you want to pray? We'll pray. He's going here and here. The solution is Jesus. Jesus can solve this. Jesus knows what the answer is. I don't. And we can ask him. 
and then he was willing to pray and uh, you know what the, the outcome there um, it's up to Jesus yes um, and uh, that's all God um, but your question of getting burned and how do we what happens and our human response was you know you screwed me I don't ever want you to come to my house again mm-hmm. um, but you can know can you tell a story about a time when you got without dropping names I don't names know if that's so important I think that we went away from that because it's so bad for us a lot of those stories involve the whole community and we the Lord is saying you can either spread gossip or you can slander or make other people say I'm never going to go here or you can use it as a teaching experience to say how do we forgive how do we forgive each other when things have happened and the community knows about it the, the homeless community or other people know about it and then they see us forgive and invite that person back again and say I'm going to love you still uh, I think that's way more important than how many times did the Coopers get burned. Um, the bigger time is how many times did the Coopers learn how to forgive and how long did it take them. Right. And we have just seen amazing things when forgiveness happens. When I've been angry and I get a hothead, um, when I've been angry with someone or I have said things that I don't say or I'm busy and I just spout out to come back to you the next week or whenever and then say, you know what, I'm really sorry because I burned you. You know, you came here trusting me, and I just burned you publicly. I just slandered you in front of the whole crowd. Um, it's not so much how many times did we get burned, but what do I do when I burn somebody, and then see the Lord's forgiveness in that, and then just see how that grows our little lunch punch community to say, wow, if Ross and Sandy can forgive, and we've been practicing, I forgive because Jesus forgave me. And stories examples um, I think the bigger stories and examples are you know what the Lord has said keep on going and we're being obedient mm-hmm. which is cool what um, for you guys and I know when you started you didn't have a plan <laughs> and you probably don't have a plan <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but as you think about like this city and stories that you hope to hear more and more of um, from churches and uh, maybe even in other communities, people who hear about Lunch Bunch and go, huh, I wonder, you know, what, what something like this could look like in my city or my church. What are, what are things that you hope to see more of? Or what do you hope, you know, like what, what, would the vision be for again I know probably what you're going to say is we're going to every day follow God right but what do you hope some of the seeds are in other places of of people who hear your story you know I think earlier on we had a a bigger hope for that and Mm -hmm. that has not uh, materialized and that's really uh, for me that's me just hoping other people will do what God has called me to do Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know what that's my calling and you know I highly recommend if that's God's calling on your life that you do it or whatever God's calling is on your life don't wait until you're 50 like yeah, me we waited way too long um, <laughs> you know you don't you don't have to wait that long and in fact um, I think we found that uh, when we're obedient we hear God's voice more and we get to see miracles happen because we know we didn't do it sometimes we try really hard to do something and then things just happen well for us and, and then wow was God in there or was that just my hard work mm. um, 
but when we hear God's voice first and we're obedient, and then we can kind of sit back and we can see the outcome, and, and it's much clearer when there's a miracle, that a miracle happened then, because we didn't work hard for it. Um, you know, just feeding people, you, more food comes back out from the grill than you send out there, right? Suddenly it's like there's way more people here than we anticipated, and the food just keeps coming back from the grill, right? That's not our doing. And you, we, we could see that miracle because, um, because we weren't part of providing the food. Uh, really early on, uh, we ran out of food. Sandy was doing hospice stuff, and, and I'm running the kitchen, which is really not good. I'm not good for anything, right? That's like a disaster <laughs> in the making, right? And people, more people are coming than we have food in the kitchen. And I'm, you know, I'm now serving Doritos, all the chips, anything All the got. ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> going through I mean, the cupboards. We're going through everything, and there's like nothing left. And uh, a family of uh, four people comes in, and uh, they're clearly hungry and have not eaten in a while. And it's like, oh boy, this is trouble. And um, so I'm kind of wondering, okay, God, you know, what's the plan here? And then, very next thing, a 14 year old boy walks in with a big pot like this in two hands. Um, and uh, he says, uh, Mr. Cooper, I brought you a pot of spaghetti. Cool. Now I got to cook spaghetti, um, which I don't know how to do. So I take the lid off, cook spaghetti, meatballs and sauce and everything in it, and it was like perfect, right? So there's a, I've never seen a 14-year-old boy come with a pot of spaghetti. Um, it hasn't ever happened since. Right, not scheduled, not planned. Um, he just shows up at the right time. I think in answer back to your question, what would we want other Christians or churches to do is not to be afraid of loving people and not to be afraid of getting burned. Um, when we get burned, we do. And it's not about, oh, Sandy got burned. It's really about, oh my, it was my Jesus who got slandered. I am so sorry, Lord. Um, but he doesn't say, don't love me if it's easy. He doesn't say, don't love other people when it's fun. He says, love them and forgive them. And so what our prayer would be is that with Redlands Bun Buzz or other people to say, you know what, take the risk. Look some homeless person in the eye and say, hello, what's your name? My name is Sandy. My yeah, name is Joe. That's that relationship thing that you were asking. We don't, you know, if someone asks for money, we don't have a relationship. We give them a dollar or a five or something and, and kind of like get out of my life. I'm in a hurry here. Right? What, so a, what a neat response to that would be is I don't feel comfortable giving you money. Can I, is there something I can pray for you with? That will take as long as giving a five out of your wallet. Um, you know, we've had, how, how does people, how do, how do you tell people how to be kind to one another? And maybe that's the bigger question, not just for homeless people, but how do you be kind to one another? And we're not in a society that honors kindness. Um, and we have to teach our children that. And we as adults have to remember to practice that. Um, but just, it's not that risky, really, because... If you say, hello, my name is Sandy, I hope you have a good day. God bless you. And then you see that same person another time. Oh, I've seen you last week and I saw you this week. How was your week in between? Um, and I can talk to anybody. So I guess me telling somebody how to talk to somebody, it makes it sound easy. But to, when Jesus says we don't need to be afraid, and when he says love people and forgive people, um, we were talking about that just... I mean, we get disappointed with people and this one gal who wants us to be the payee. She says, well, you're going to be really disappointed with me. And I'm like, no, you're a keeper regardless of what you did. Well, she said, 
I smoked some dope right before I got here. And I'm like, well, I already know that, so tell me something I don't know. Um, but she was so afraid that we were going to kick her out because she had smoked dope before she came to our house. Um, and what she really wanted to know is that were we going to accept her and love her and um, feed her, and we did, and then it's time to go on your way. And most of our homeless people understand that there's other things going on and they can't stay forever. And they don't want to be um, staying forever, but they also don't want a solution to their problem. Sometimes they just want you to walk along and say, I'm so sorry that your dog died. I'm so sorry. We went to a funeral two weeks ago. Um, Ross and I got to be Christians in a Mormon church going to a very Mormon funeral, and we got to say, I'm sorry that so-and-so died. We love her, and um, can we pray with you? Can we stand here? Can we cry with you? Um, which... It's just like doing normal life, except for showing Christ. And our, that's our prayer, that people see Jesus in our house, in our life. That's our prayer with other Christians. Show Jesus, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Wear that name proudly. And he's going to give you the strength and the courage to do it. So um, tomorrow we get to go to another funeral. Um, and I say we get to do that because we get to show Jesus there again. We get to say, I'm going to walk alongside of you. I'm going to do life with you. I'm going to laugh with you. I'm going to cry with you. This man with a funeral, he was 81, um, actually 82 when he died, but last year he was 81. He went with us with a, a lunch punch camp out. You were there when we baptized him in the ocean. Yes. And um, his friends said, as an 81-year-old from 81 to 82, because he died this week, um, how excited he was to serve Jesus and how much that baptism meant to this 81-year-old guy. And it's like, cool, we had a tiny part of that. Mm. Um, so when we're talking about stories, we don't know what those stories will bring. We don't know what those seeds will go. Um, we could tell you hundreds of stories of people who have come to our house. There was a Wiccan family who had, well, not a family, but they had two kids, and they wanted Ross and I to adopt their kids. Now, why would a Wiccan who's following witchcraft want two Christians to adopt their kids? Because they saw Jesus. And that's the goal. What do I want other Christians? What would we want other people to do? You don't have to copy us, but certainly you can share Jesus in the places God has called you to be. Yeah. So. I think that's really beautiful because it, it strikes me too, even listening to you, I'm thinking about my house and going like, man, no way, right? But you, not because I don't love what you do, I think you, part of your story is that you have both been uniquely equipped for this particular ministry and role. I mean, is a hospice nurse, right? right. You we use, a lot of, we use a lot of Sandy's first aid skills. Right, <laughs> yeah, for well, people first that, aid, uh, but <laughs> also just like to, to practice presence with people as they die. That is not something most people are comfortable doing. And Ross, as a police officer, for you to know what it's like to protect and guard a group, like you have been uniquely equipped and to do the ministry and the work that you're doing, right? Yeah, and. Um, I think that's a really, really beautiful thing about your story is that as you presented yourself to God, I just read that this morning, as a, as a living sacrifice, yeah. you know, holy and pleasing to Him, then in turn, um, He has revealed His mercy to others through you in ways that um, have made this, this city stronger, this community um, stronger, and um, really just blessed, blessed the world. So um, another question for you is as you do this work, I think 
anybody who is excited about justice work and working alongside of people, people um, in you know with with high need, there it's important to have rhythms of um, kind of like refueling, right? You read that in the Gospels all the time. It's like people are like, "Where's Jesus?" And it's always oh, up in the hills praying, right? So he's constantly recognizing, like, I can't give what I don't have. What do you guys do to stay in a place where you're fresh or um, ministering out of what you've received? Like, what do you do? Like, what are practices that you have? I mean, it, that yeah, I think fresh. Um, I think they're a little bit different um, for us. Yeah. Um, um, God knows I'm a pretty slow learner. So I have the opportunity to be involved in the same Bible study of the same passage three times every week. So we have it the Saturday, Sunday, and the Thursday men's group. And they're different um, different people in those groups. And God speaks differently. Um, so in kind of a more um, organized fashion there with um, men's Bible study group and, and uh, kind of the lunch bunch one and the Saturday one. Um, that's a great place for me to kind of get God's word. Um, the prayer on Saturday um, is really, um, I think, I think that's the way God empowers and just reconnects and speaks. And um, there's nothing like hearing God say, "Ross, do this," and then doing it and just seeing God act. Um, and so, regardless of the outcome, people, you know, not taking advantage of freedom people choosing to not forgive or people choosing to retaliate and that kind of stuff you know what that's all in God's hands can you can you say this because this is not like a real mainstream I would say practice of many whatever Christians or um, people that I know you, and you've said it over and over and over and over and over tonight is when you hear God prompt yeah. you speak to Right. Often it's just a little voice uh -huh. um, in my heart or in my head, mm -hmm. but God will speak and he'll say what to do. And then, and often I'm thinking, well, I'm not sure what I should do. What do you want me to do here, God? And then I wait. And, and you know, there's, there's a great story of uh, a man. To me, it's great because it was really impactful. A man I met at the coffee shop on a Sunday morning. This guy's crazy. I mean, he's like, I'm thinking, God, do you want me to take him to church? I'm going to have to sit with him. I'm not going to hear a thing the pastor says. Uh, then he's going to be disruptive at our house. You really want me to take him? And so I'm talking to him, and he's clearly Was crazy. this David, by the way? No, okay. not David. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm at the coffee shop, and I'm saying, okay, God, I've got to go. i got people i got to pick up. i got the schedule and everything. Um, if you don't tell me in a minute, I'm not taking him. And, um, like God needs so, your yeah, <laughs> So I'm counting down. I'm going, God, I am not hearing uh, that I need to take him. Uh, I'm getting ready to leave. Okay, I'm leaving. Hop in my Bye car. Off. Yeah, right. And I, I go. I pick up the people. You know, have a great church service where, um, you know, I'm not sitting with uh, this crazy person. Load up after church. Go home. Pull in the driveway. And who's sitting in the front yard? This crazy guy. Right. And and I'm thinking, you know what, God, thank you uh, that I didn't have to sit with him. You didn't need me to bring him, right? He found some other way to get to our house. He'd never been there before, never been there since. Um, but he was quite disruptive. Mm. And, um, and so for me, that was just confirmation that, you, Ross, you don't need to, I didn't tell you to pick him up, don't pick mm. him up, um, but I'm going to have him at your house, mm. not at uh, the River Church. So people who would say, 
um, how do you know that you're not just making stuff up? That's right. And um, I think over time, uh, just asking and listening, God makes that really plain. Mm. So practice. You, you yes. had to practice that discipline yes. of listening. Yes. And in fact, when we pray with Bruce, it's because he is really in tune to hearing God's voice mm. there. And uh, sometimes I miss it. Um, and if we go... Time for one more example. Yeah. I'll tell you my human solution to a spiritual problem. Mm -hmm. We're praying with a man who is an alcoholic and on psych meds and just, he had a really tough life and he would come to the River Church intoxicated, not falling over drunk, but just... Just as a way of life. Yeah. I mean, he, he just lived life intoxicated. Um, so um, he accepts Jesus into his heart and uh, um, it just was really cool and said, you know what? I, I think I need to pray and um, I'm just having trouble and I can't get sober and so let's pray. So we pray and I'm thinking, cool, we're going to pray against uh, this demon of alcoholism and, and everything's going to be great. So we're praying and, and as we're praying, God makes it really clear that there are some things in his life that he needs to forgive. Uh, forgive. He needs to ask for forgiveness for some things and he needs to forgive his, uh, um, his wife, um, killed herself, hung herself in their living room on their anniversary because she was a little ups pretty upset with what some things he had done, right? And yeah. so for years, he uh, he told me uh, every night when he goes to sleep, he closes his eyes and he sees his wife hanging there. Mm. It's like, well, no wonder he's drinking, right? We'd all be drinking or taking psych meds or something. So he's been living with that for years and years and years. So we're praying and, and God just heals him uh, through asking for forgiveness, receiving that forgiveness, and offering forgiveness to his uh, uh, former wife. And then we get done with that, and uh, we say, well, how are you feeling? He says, oh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. And I say, well, I think we ought to pray about this alcoholism. He goes, no, I think I'm feeling pretty good. I say, no, I don't think we're done here. And he goes, no, we're, we're done. <laughs> and it uh, goes out, and this guy is stone cold sober for over a month. <laughs> um, and then after that relapses and after that dies. Um, but uh, you know what, he was saved, he experienced that freedom, and it was cool just to, to be on the outside mm -hmm. and to see that miracle happen. Mm -hmm. When we hear God, and when we do what he says, we're obedient, then God acts. Mm -hmm. And often he doesn't tell us to do big things when yeah, he speaks. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple step, and it's usually one step at a time. And it's not like, Sandy, go save the world, go feed 70 people. It's like, go be obedient and get some food ready, and mm. people will show up and mm. just stand there. So you, you said that you guys kind of have different rhythms for rocks. Obviously, oh, yeah. the, the Bible studies are really important throughout the, the week. And the coffee <laughs> bean's really important for me, and that's a great question. <laughs> yeah, actually, that is, because that's his quiet time, and if the Lord brings somebody there, great. My quiet time is more at the table. Even last night, I went to bed very early. Um, God and I talk a lot. I think God is like, oh no, it's Sandy again on the hotline. <laughs> but when Ross came to bed, I'm like, God's been talking to me. He says, well, you've been sleeping. <laughs> and I'm like, I know I have, but God's been talking to me. And I think we do have different ways of doing that. Um, the world's way, the world's solution to prevent burnout is to isolate and withdraw and um, tuck away, vacation, get away. And we're seeing more and more that the Lord's way is just do one thing at a time, and I'm going to give you the strength for today. How do you prevent burnout? I mean, for me, my quiet time is sometimes sporadic, but my prayer time, I knew exactly this morning, I knew exactly if there wasn't a vision, there wasn't anything, but God had said, this is what you're going to, what you need to talk to these people. I told Ross that, and he's like, 
who told you that? <laughs> and I'm like, well, God did. And he says, well, then I guess you better listen. Um, but to be, re I mean, our personalities are so very different. Um, but how do we keep from burning out or how do we refuel? Um, sometimes a simple thing as for us, for me, working up at Forest Home and being up in the mountains and working with a little group of people and all I have to do is work and I don't have to think. Yeah, I think God's blessed that with uh, until Mondays are kind of a lunch bunch day up at Forest Home where they let us volunteer um, and either split firewood or paint. Or, or but we're working or, outside usually. Yeah. But I think God gives us what we need. Um, sometimes he'll make us be sick and just say you have to be in bed for 12 hours. Um, sometimes he says just keep on going and yes you're tired but I'm going to give you the strength and don't run away. Today was a day off and we had more people at our house than we've ever had ever pass through a day. We could have said okay God this is my R&R &R day don't you get it? Mm -hmm. Or we could say, Lord, you brought these people here, so obviously you're going to give us the strength and the wisdom to work through one person at a time, even though we had three at a time <laughs> for a little while. Um, how do we do it? It isn't something that we do. It's something that God has to do for us. Right. How long is the season? We don't know. But to run away from it and say, okay, I've had enough, um, that has you, not been the solution yeah, that God's that's given right. us. It, uh, it's kind of like running away from a good thing. God always gives a power, and he gives uh, strength, he gives joy, he gives satisfaction, he gives um, everything we need. And so it's like, man, why would we run away from that? Yeah, it's good. I like that. Hey, I want to ask people questions uh, that are here. If there's anybody that wants to ask you guys anything, um, this is a good time to do that. It's not so much a question, but something you guys kept, you know, kind of kept coming back to is relationships and it's got to be so hard for for the folks you meet for homeless people to form relationships when you're being pushed out of all the places you normally would have these spontaneous relationships you know if you sit in a park too long you get you know, RPD comes and says hi you can't you know. sit at the restaurant without buying something you right can't. yeah you can't be at market night and you know, these are all places where you kind of would form these spontaneous relationships. So that kind of makes the challenge, it puts the challenge on us kind of as a, as the people. If we don't want people there, well, then we've got to seek them out. But you, know, you talk about being burned. You, know, you mentioned that. I'm like, well, I can think of this time, this time, this time that I've burned somebody. That one of my close friends that I say, oh, you know, they're a good friend of mine. They've burned me. Uh, you know. We're no different. We are. Yeah. We're you know, just as screwed up by that measure. Uh, it's it's humanity. It's not being homeless in that sense. But I think when you're talking no. about relationships, what can we do? Make it a point to say, okay, let's try to say hello. I mean, I don't expect you to be my best friend, but it's taken us seven years to be in the position where we are. A lot of folks look at us as their mom and dad even though they might be older than us. They look at us as their children. They look at us as their family. I mean, this gal is calling us her family, and it's like, wow, that's a privilege and an honor. But you know what? Um, it's also, uh, yeah, that whole relationship part. If you're looking for people on the fringes who are getting pushed out of areas, or even if they're at our church, to say, let me go to sit at that table, and you know, I'm, I'm gonna just, okay, Lord, if you tell me to sit there for five minutes, I'll sit there for five minutes and then I'll run away. You know, it is. 
it takes a little bit of work, but yes, you're right. That relationship and being burned and forgiving comes back to that a lot. I've got a, a couple practical questions and then a comment, if you don't mind. Um, I've heard the homeless or low-income people get uh, Obama phones, but they can't charge them anymore because they get rousted. You can't go to like Starbucks or <laughs> that's Panera a problem. Yes. So well, you, we we usually have 20 phones <laughs> being charged at our house. Okay. Um, and another question is when you do these uh, forgiveness prayers and you say like uh, like the gentleman whose wife hung himself, mm -hmm. um, does God tell you what the person, this sounds like I'm being antagonistic, yeah, no, but I'm just no, curious. No, that's a very question. Excellent question. Because if someone comes up to me and says, Ross, I was praying and God told me you should give me a hundred bucks. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's like, you know what, let me check with God. Because he will tell me, <laughs> that, that, he will tell me that too. And if he confirms it, then I got a choice. I can be obedient or not. But God will speak to the person who okay, has the question. Um, and often, um, I guess my experience has been sometimes we don't quite trust that voice, and um, the sometimes the enemy wants to get in the middle there and pretend, uh, you know. So it's really the enemy's voice, and there's ways to uh, just find the enemy, that, prevent yeah. the enemy from doing that. And so we start those prayers out, finding the enemy and, and making sure we're only hearing from God. But but when we're doing those little praying, it's like, did you hear that? I mean, we'll kind of confirm. Did you? What did yeah. you hear God say? What did you hear God say? Oh, I heard God say this. Well, I heard God say that too, and it's kind of weird, unless you're there and doing it, to to hear that affirmation, and that's why it's neat to do. It's not just one person praying or two, but it's three, to say, right. okay, what what did what did you hear God say? And then thank you, and then a comment I I wanted to say just to encourage you, and I don't hear you guys complaining about being burned or ripped off. Um, that was a question, right, and a, a common question. Um, just for um, a little background, how I got into this is I just started talking to homeless people, and, and uh, anyway, and after about four or five people, Ross and Sandy Cooper's name kept coming up, kept coming up, kept coming up. And one lady still, well, she was one of the first people I talked to, though, and she was saying how, you know, she wishes that, that people could do nice stuff for Ross and Sandy because of all they've done and, and that people don't know, don't realize all they've done and that they've, her words were they've, they've given people money, they've given people free money and they, they never get paid back, they never ask for it back. Um, they never mention it or anything like that. And I was just thinking about when we, were, when we were looking at it and talking about being burned and ripped off, that these people out there, uh, it's not it's not money lost because this is your reputation and this is them seeing Jesus. That these people don't don't care about money, you know. That they're just a it was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty phenomenal to hear like a bunch yeah. of different people all of a sudden. And then the other day, I was, I was with this guy, and I said to him, I was just curious to see if he knew Ross and Sandy. And he said he was he was looking for a, a motel or something. And and, uh, and I was just curious because your name kept coming up so many times. So I said, do you know, do you know Ross and Sandy? And he says, yeah, take me there. 
Okay, the, and, the culmination of that story is we he just is the today guy dropped him, him off, off in the sober living home. But Jesus spoke the <laughs> sober living home, right? Because so, he wanted a motel room, and we yeah. don't do that very often. But we, he was willing to let us pray with. And I said, when we, because he wanted that motel room. And then he said to me, tell me what to do. Take me to my spot or take me to the hospital. And I said, let's go to your spot so you can sleep. You need to sleep. But the culmination of that prayer that he wanted a motel room, he didn't get the motel room, and he rarely gets it, and they never get free money from us. So. <laughs> well, I figured no money's free. But that was, that was they do get bus passes sometimes. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, ultimately God owns everything. And, yes. And it, our goal is to be good stewards of the house that God has us living in, the cars that he's given us, right? Are we, money are we good whatever. stewards of the money, right? Are we just, are we, um, are we good managers of what God owns? But we got to pray with and, him, and that yes. was so beautiful because he wanted the motel room. He didn't get the motel room. We were good stewards of what we believe God said, and the end result is he is at a men's Christian, Christian home today, and he was put near in tears. Did it take two days for that answer of prayer to come? Yes. But it's different than it looked. But amen. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was trying to keep me out of it because it's about them, you know. But they had a, a big part of my, helping me in my life to get me where I am. And now I'm working for the church, and they helped me stay with them. And I stayed with um, the Van Coys and them back and forth sometimes. And mm -hmm. they helped me a lot to be where I am. And that was another one of my questions is for... I think you know that you asked it about with other people just around the country or whatever if people wanted to kind of start into this and what I hear you're saying is kind of well, one at a time just yeah and I would say don't do it just don't do it unless God's calling you to because otherwise it's a human solution to a spiritual problem right. and we were talking about that in Bible study last week what problems are not spiritual Actually, there's a spiritual component to everything we do. And God has the answer. When we're stuck with something, God has the answer. And we just need to ask Him. God's not playing hide-and-seek with us. Um, God's got the answer. He's waiting to give it to us. So we ask. Often, my, I grew up learning to pray, and I can, you know, I can give a five-minute prayer if you want, but there won't <laughs> be any listening in it. And God may be saying what I need to do, and I'll say, God, please guide me today. Oh, yeah, and bless Nick, and bless everyone else, and help the poor, and in Jesus' name, amen. And off I go, and God's saying, um, I've, I've got something for you. Would you like to hear it? And I'm off to the next thing, and I'm missing it. Mm. And um, so I am I'm a slow learner, um, but I still spend most, much of my life bringing a human solution to what is really a spiritual problem. Mm -hmm. And God has the answer for every single problem. He had the answer for Philip. He's got the answer for me. Um, he's got the answer for every situation. In answer to your question, if the Lord had people doing this all over the country, it might look a little similar, but it would look really different with different personalities, different people, different communities. But can it be done? Can we open up our homes? Can we open up our lives? Can we trust God to provide? He can. He will. If he calls you, he'll do it. And if he calls, and it will he provide? Yes. Sunday, I, we had so much food, it was almost obscene after the end of the day. And I paid people to take food away. And it's not just about food. It's about the relationships and the community and people coming and people asking us to pray. But if somebody in whoever, whatever city, state says, you know what, I want to be... 
uh, I want to be Jesus to people who don't somewhere. The Lord would say, hooray, let's get on it. Will it look like us? Do they need to contact us? Do they need to copy us? Or do they need to just say, okay, God, I'm trusting you to right. do it one person at a time, and you're going to grow up the way you want to. Yeah. Okay. If I can ask one yeah. more uh, really just realistic question. Uh, no realistic questions. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> fund this all yourself or does is you know god has given us tons of money um, <laughs> you know what seriously he has sunday this man walked up to me and gave me three hundred dollars three one hundred dollar bills right sunday morning not a homeless guy obviously um but said you know what um god just kind of told me to give you some money um and uh, you know, I heard God tell me to give that to the, a missionary. So it was in our hands so, for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, God. So I do that. And you know what? Uh, you know, well, what God does the very next morning, a man writes me a check for 750 bucks. Right? Never given me money before. Um, God, and, and he said, you know what? This helped fix your van. I, I know that ain't going to fix it, but it's part of it. So. Um, Are we worried about money? We're no. not worried about money. How does it funded? weird ways yes um are we officially on the church's budget the deacons give us a gift every single month of 250 dollars everything else the lord provides provides for insurance or gas or food or i didn't our room people took an offering at a church that ross worked at when did you yeah. retire? Seven Five years, eight years, years ago? Never retired. Our, our extra room, I can't yet. even get into that extra room without falling down because it is so full of shoes and clothes and jackets and Christmas gifts for the kids. So how does the Lord fund it? Are we sustainable? Not by the world's standards. You know, it's we, uh, <laughs> anyway, God, when we follow God's um, lead with doing something, um, His the next gift is uh, like more than we can handle. It's like we had, uh, we just emptied out the room last year, and the very next day, this church backs in the driveway with a truck, just with a huge net over Taller it. Taller so than stuff, I, if you guys can't see me, to give I'm away, almost right. six foot tall. And every Saturday, the Salvation Army, they back their truck into our driveway. Um, they leave um, Albertsons, yeah. Albertsons, where they get the produce and food, and they come right to our house, they back in the driveway, Sandy jumps in the back, goes through all the boxes, all stand on and the Saturday, <laughs> usually by 11 o'clock, we know what we're having for lunch on Sunday. Um, How it, is it funded? Yeah. The Lord just does it. And, know it. and when we, we have learned, because um, we are using some of our retirement for this, and when it's gone, it's gone. And if I'm homeless, I'm okay with that. I will be okay if the Lord has us be homeless. We know a lot of good spots. <laughs> 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 but you know what? We get to laugh. We get to cry. Yeah. We get to, you know what? We get to you do. You see life. God um, at work, and and we see that uh, Fridays is usually our jail visit day for folks that are connected to lunch bunch and they end up back in jail. So we kind of we used to be in San Diego every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and so that made Friday a good day for jail visits. And so we'd go and just visit folks that otherwise would be at our place. And you know, we get a chance to pray with people, to uh, share the Bible, um, the sermon outlines that this church provides, get photocopied, get sent in, many to, and they get passed around in there. And, yes. Um, there's guys that uh, when they attend Lunch Bunch, um, 
they don't even sit in Bible study, but they're in jail and now they're leading a Bible study every single day um, in their cell. You know, 40 guys in there and 30 of them are going to the Bible study. Um, so uh, God is doing uh, great work there in jail. Had a chance um, last two weeks ago now. Um, guy sitting in there and says, you know what, I just need Jesus in my heart. I don't know how to get him. It's like, well, you don't know how to get Jesus in your heart? Let's pray, man, because he promises whoever asks gets him. <laughs> it's like, it's just amazing. Um, and God is, you know, we know people who are more free when they're in jail than they are when they're out on the streets um, because they have uh, Jesus in a way that they don't have when they're out on the streets. And that's just all that relationship again, you know, not being afraid to go to jail. I mean, here's a deputy sheriff sitting on the wrong side of the glass, or the right side of the glass. It's but, a little bit awkward at first, but I'm more used to it. But you know what? <laughs> so, so many of our fears are our own hang-up that it's about us. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing? What if, what if, what if? What if we just be quiet and said, okay, Lord, let me go and take away my fear. And if we said, Lord, I'm, af I'm afraid. I've said that before. Lord, I'm afraid. Tell me what to do. I've been in the situations that... That I don't, would be scary. That were very scary. That would be in the movies. And the Lord gives me boldness and confidence to, it's like, that's not me. Um, and my fear is gone, and I'm protected and safe. And, and you know, we've, we've seen that happen. Uh, quite a few years ago, we went over to someone's house, right? And, and they're connected to the drug house. And as we walk up, we hear, it's the Coopers! The toilets are flushing, and people are people running. People are running like this. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the police raid or something. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Thank you, God, for preparing the way, right? So we could walk right in there and it's meet right. with the people <laughs> that were surrounded by trouble. <laughs> it's like, cool. It, it has been neat. It's but. Um, They're going to be done. Just <laughs> <of them. laughs> <laughs> one more drink. What, what, what I've seen since I've been helping them out a lot, the, the light of Jesus shined off them to shine on me in my darkness where I could start shining on people. Yeah. That's what I've learned from the Coopers because when I first met them, I was in the darkness, but the light just from these two alone, being friendly, giving me a hot meal and everything, it's, it's awesome. So, and uh, you went camping a year ago. You yeah, on the 12th, yep. At, at dinner tonight, Harold said it was about a year ago that Ross and I tried to drown him. <laughs> Actually, you were baptizing him. Yeah. I was baptizing The picture looks like it. Um, but, yeah, the picture was pretty funny. Ross yeah. and I almost You didn't know who would get baptized. They were all going down. <laughs> well, any, any closing uh, thoughts, encouragements, um, anything else you guys would want to add? I just want to say that I don't think we encourage, as, as a church body, I don't think we encourage you enough or, you know, we certainly don't rally around you often enough. I personally don't feel like I do, but um, I know pride is a bad thing, but I'm really proud to be, to have the Lunch Bunch and the Coopers as part of my church, as part of my team, you know, that's... That's Amen. a point of pride for me to be at the river. That, yeah, we have we have homeless people who come to our church every Sunday. I love it. Yeah, yeah. how That's cool that God entrusts us, right? Yes. God entrusts the River Church with people who don't know Him yet, that are just barely getting to know Him, or don't you know, that that aren't interested. But God entrusts people He loves to this church. Yeah. So I just want to thank, thank you for for yes. being that. Thanks, Lord. 
So how did we get re-energized? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope you hear that though. Like, I mean, we're we're here, and obviously, um, the, these are uh, just a real celebration, and it, it, it's of the Coopers. But you guys are constantly pointing to what God is doing, and I mean, I, I leave inspired from a night like tonight as well, and really excited about um, whatever He's calling all of us to. You know, whatever He's calling you to, I'm excited to even. Um, you know, listen and encourage others to listen. And, you know, I think we grew up in a culture that says you have to have answers. You know, yeah. a, a religious so culture, a Christian culture that says you have to have answers. Yeah. And so, you know, to be able to say, we don't know about tomorrow yet, but when we wake up and, you know, get our marching orders, um, we're going to have a little bit better idea. Um, I think that's a really beautiful way to live. It's a really um, simple but complex. Yes. Or simple but complicated. Pro profound. Uh huh. Yeah. And um, yeah, just a, a real powerful, powerful voice in, in this time and place. So thank you guys for your love for this community. We appreciate it. Thanks for sharing it. Mm -hmm.